We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep podcast, supported by Harrys.com uh, slash Blue Wire for your uh, deal with the Blue Wire network. I'm Kane Pittman, and I'm joined by Ty Windish. And Ty, I was about to say, unlucky, I just caught myself. I was about to say this is the first time we've done a podcast uh, from different countries, but I think that's probably wrong. I think we did one when I was in Toronto for the playoffs, so I don't oh. think that's technically correct. But I'm a lot further away this time. I'm back in Australia. Uh, but uh, how are you doing over there? We're in we're in very very different times of the day right now. Yeah, we are. About 11 p.m. here. Uh, about one something p.m. there. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah. it's two o'clock on a Friday. It's like about to be the, it's about to be the weekend here. Everyone's it's almost almost beer excited. drinking hour. Yeah, I mean, I did tell myself that I was. You know, it was a big last couple of weeks uh, in Milwaukee, <laughs> and I, I said I was going to have a rest, but I am getting a few texts to see what's up tonight, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to resist, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. Socialite Kane, but you asked me how I was doing. Obviously, you know, bummed out a little bit, uh, you know, losing my podcast partner back to the, the great land down under that is Australia, always a bummer. Hoping to see you back soon, though, hopefully, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh Otherwise, I'm good, you know, happy to be recording another Eurostep, talk about uh, all the dynamic, earth-shattering moves going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, we've got a couple of things to touch on. I will say that certainly the last, I think it's probably been about a week and a half since we, we had an episode, and we spoke about that, and obviously, first of all, I, I mean, it, it was a busy time for me trying to move back, so that's my excuse. I'm going to stick with that anyway, but we're going to be... We're going to be back a little bit more uh, consistently now as, as things happen. But uh, we certainly covered uh, the end of the free agency. And I think since then, a lot of those deals that were agreed upon uh, in principle have all, all come through, obviously, with 
with Milton and, and Lopez and well, both Lopez uh, brothers actually and Wes Matthews, uh, all these George Hill, all these guys have now officially signed. There was a, a couple of names that we didn't really know were going to be on the cards. And uh, I, I think one of the, the first one that dropped that we didn't speak about was Giannis's brother, uh, Thanasis. And I, I, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of old news now. And, um, you know, obviously it's been discussed a lot on Twitter and, uh, and all the platforms, but I, me and you haven't really spoke about this. And it, it's interesting because it was a pretty controversial move, I guess, in the end, because it is unique and, and <laughs> for, for a number of reasons. But when you first caught wind of this, and it was, it was in the air a little bit, uh, originally re- reported, which turned out to be incorrect, that he was going to be playing uh, Summer League with the Bucks, And then, you know, things started to, to roll that it was going to be an actual roster spot uh, it just, just straight up, I, I mean, do you have any issue with this or, or what do you think about this in, in general? I wouldn't say I really have an issue. I just think, I think the fact that it is two years guaranteed, I can see that giving people just a little bit of heartburn. I guess that's fair enough. Um, but I just, it's, I, I just wonder like if this was like, if his name was like Gary Stewart. I don't know if that's a real person. Well, there's probably someone. I don't know if that's a real famous person or not. But like, if it's just some random guy, and you said, "Yeah, he's six seven, You know, he's uh, he's been pretty pretty really good defensively in the G League. He's got a lot of experience overseas. We think he developed his game, and he's going to give us, you know, a good shot at uh, maybe a, a decent upside player for you know basically nothing of that minimum. I uh, would people really be up in arms? Like, I don't. I just don't see why it being Giannis's brother makes it any worse, I guess. And I mean, the other argument is like, oh, that's an important roster spot that could go somewhere. But Milwaukee already got Wes Matthews just today. I think it was Woj tweeted the Bucks are a meeting with J.R. Smith might get him too. And at that point, it's like, well, how many other you know kind of veteran guys who are available from vet minimum do you really want on the roster at one time? Like, it just seems like uh, it. Like, I feel like it's fine. Like, I'm not super like pumped about it. I would love to watch the NASA's, you know, make himself into a real NBA player on the box. And that'd be great for all parties, especially the keep Giannis campaign. That's clearly in full swing right now, but I just, it's not something that I'm going to sit here and, and, you know, cuss up a blue streak about that's for sure. Okay. So are you telling me that with the, with the 15th Russell spot and, and, yeah, it's probably you know what it's going to end up being when you look at the players, depending on what the Bucks, how the Bucks fill out the roster, and we'll talk about that. But you saying you prefer the Nassus than Gary Stewart, the fifty-seven-year-old head coach of Stevenson, former head coach of UC Davis? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I think I'll take the Nassus in that in that one-on-one. I think I'll go with him. I mean, sounds like Gary Stewart brings a lot of veteran leadership to the table, but I mean, hey, Bucks just got Wes Matthews, so I think that's covered already. I, I, you said Gary Stewart, and I was like, I, I need to Google this immediately because <laughs> I can almost guarantee there has been a Gary Stewart in basketball somewhere along the line. And uh, he's still a current coach. He's, he's had a lot of experience. Uh, also coached Long Beach State, Cal State, UC Santa Barbara, Washington State. He was with UCLA for a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a great basketball mind by the sounds of it. Gary Stewart, if you are listening, big fans here at the Euro Step. But, uh, oh, I got his stats. And that's, did he play? I've just got him as, as oh. a... Oh, he went to Laverne. Is that right? Laverne? I, I got him at Canassus. I don't oh, know man, if I'm saying that right. There's multiple 
Gary Stewart. This guy is 69-70, played forward, six foot six, 17.5 points per game back then. If he still got it, maybe he would be worth the spot. Well, I'm, I'm sure we would take those numbers from Thanasis, but it was interesting <laughs> that you said uh, about his name. And, and this, is, this was kind of the interesting thing to me to see the arguments. And I've said this before. Sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes people just need to be angry and they need to argue about things. I've said that before, and I get that. It's the off-season. Um, everyone likes debating stuff and, and sometimes there's just not that much to debate so you need to debate things that don't really mean a lot but with Thanasis uh, I would say that and I've said this the whole time that there's nothing more important for the Milwaukee Bucks right now than making Giannis happy I don't care, there's just nothing like if he's happy and and you know he clearly was with all these guys that they brought back um, I think it should be pretty clear by now the Bucks aren't doing anything without talking to Giannis and Giannis having yeah, the understanding of what's happening. So, um, again, as you said, this is a guy that probably isn't going to play a lot unless he really comes on and develops a lot. And I think it's important to note that everyone that's uh, really commenting on the NASA's game and what they think he can and can't do, we're really just basing this off highlights because I don't know how many people have watched him up close in the EuroLeague the last couple of years. I don't think many people certainly not uh, not me, uh, I, and I know that he hasn't been known as a shooter. He's a guy that can defend, is super athletic, a really strong uh, frame. But, you know, what I mean, what I, I think if this is something that, and when you think about Giannis with his, obviously his mother being in town, uh, his younger bro- one of his younger brothers being in, in town as well, and now you bring Thanasis there, these guys love Milwaukee. This is a guy that clearly does have some talent playing basketball. It remains to be seen whether it's at the NBA level, but, uh, one thing I pointed out to um, when I was doing some radio stuff back home, uh, or I was about to say back home in Milwaukee, but in uh, in Milwaukee, um, uh, was that if, if you go back to where he was with the Knicks, when he was playing with the Knicks, uh, you want to talk about people, coaching stars and franchises that can develop players. That's not a good situation to be in in a, in a mess of a franchise in New York. Now he comes to Milwaukee with a coaching staff that, that has – uh, you know, history really developing players and getting the best out of players. Uh, let's see what we got. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could certainly see there being a, a real useful player here. I mean, I think if he absolutely couldn't play, I don't think he would be on the roster. Um, you know, and uh, Eric Name had a nice long uh, Q&A with John Horace, obviously asked about yeah. Tenacious, among other things. And, I mean, John Horace said that he and Bud are both excited about the uh, the player. And I believe there's a quote about his shooting. Maybe not. I know there's about Robin Lopez. Maybe not about Tenacious as much. But, uh, oh, no, yeah, there is here. Um, So Eric asks uh, about Tenacious. He struggled as a shooter his entire career. Can Budenholzer and his staff help to fix that? Horst says, absolutely. I think he thinks that. I know I believe in that. I know the staff believes in that. Just even watching him work out here the last couple of days, his shot's not bad. Uh, so, I mean, and look, it's just clips. Clips don't mean anything, but some of the clips, his shot really didn't look all that bad to me. No, I mean, it looked pretty solid, actually. Um, and and sometimes I think it's important, and this is why, and it's interesting that you mentioned Robin, and we spoke about Robin quite a bit um, on one of our other episodes, so I wasn't going to go too deep into it, but it's interesting. This is something that I think I said on the last podcast. Again, I certainly said that, on radio a couple of times and, and people were like, ah, you know, I'm not sure about that. Um, you certainly didn't disagree too much, but there was a couple of people who were like, I think you're taking it a step too far here. But um, 
the one thing we know in Milwaukee is that Bud is going to encourage everyone to shoot. And if there's anything they're going to be working on this summer, it's going to be shooting three. So um, sometimes uh, actually having the confidence from the coaching staff and understanding that if you take a three and you're confident taking a three and it's a good shot, you're not going to get in trouble for taking that shot. They're, they're the ones that they want you to take. And sometimes uh, just that alone uh, can, can make a big difference. And we saw that with John Henson, who is, you know, the reason why I compared the Robin Lopez situation. We've seen Lopez. He can hit a mid-range shot. We've seen that his whole career. Why can't he step out to the corner and hit threes? And, and as you said from that article, that was, that was part of one of the points Horse made that Lopez will, uh, or we should expect that Lopez is going to be shooting threes, particularly from the corner. And, and I would expect the same from Thanasis, who, as you said, mechanically, shot looks pretty good. It looks better than Yasis. I know he's a bit shorter, but it looks like a pretty solid shot. Yeah, it does. Did you see my uh, Lopez brothers three-point shooting tweet today? No, I, no, I didn't. Uh, I'm going to get those notifications back on. Yeah, they might. it was probably like right in the middle of the night for you. It was early this yeah. morning for me. But um, so they actually is kind of a, a sort of similar trend between the two of them. So they both for a long time didn't shoot any threes. Uh, Robin longer than Brooks. So Brooks' first six NBA seasons, zero for seven total from three-point range, which is so wild to think about now. So Robin's first nine years, he didn't shoot for longer. Oh, for six total from three-point range. So basically – Long period for both of them, nearly a decade for Robin Lopez. They're not even really trying. I mean, it's like for, for Brooke Lopez, barely one attempt per year. For Robin, less than one attempt. I mean, that's garbage time heaves, end of the shot clock, not really anything. And then you get sort of, you know, dipping the toes in the in the splash mountain waters, so to speak. Brooke, over two years after those first six, three for 24. So still not making very many, but clearly attempting a lot more from Barely won a season, a 12 a season. He's at least trying it. Then Robin Lopez, the last two years, has also done the same sort of thing, but just a little more exaggerated. 11 for 45 from three over the last two years. You know, again, not really on teams that are wanting him to shoot a lot of threes. I mean, I think that Bulls team might have been one of the uh, least likely teams to shoot a three. I definitely don't think they were looking for Robin Lopez to shoot threes. They were too busy bizarrely running plays through him in the low post, but still manages to chuck and and make a a decent percentage of his three-pointers. And then obviously the last three years, Brooks gone insane, 433 for 1,224, just one of the absolute snipers in the game and just ridiculous numbers compared to everything else in his career. And I just have Robin next year, colon, two question marks because that's – that, and it lines up. The two tester years are over. He's on a three-point shooting-happy team. I'd, it wouldn't shock me for him to shoot a lot of threes and to hit 30-something percent of them one bit. No, me either. And it, it's it's interesting because when you look at those numbers and the way uh, Brooke progressed, obviously uh, you know, he had one of those years still. The year that he really busted out the first time was, was obviously in Brooklyn and and he had that encouragement from Kenny Atkinson, and, and this is, you know, obviously pretty well known now. The influence that Kenny Atkinson had um, in turning his shooting around, and I, I do believe that that's similar to that. And and just from being around Brook and, and working out with Brook, I'm sure they they work out together through the summer, or they will be, and then obviously together through training camp, um, they're going to be competitive with each other. And now this is going to be Robbins, as you sort of pointed out, his first year of having a green light. Hey, if you're open, you shoot that three. And uh, there's no question that teams are probably going to let him shoot him because this is not something that he's proven yet. But uh, I tend to agree. I, I'm not 100% sure when I look at the, the minutes breakdown, um, you know, 
what sort of minutes Robin is going to get. Obviously, Brook is such a key factor, but certainly, you know, I think Robin's going to be playing at least 15 minutes a night and he'll be able to get up a, a couple of threes um, per game, you know, you would expect if they're there for him. So I I agree. This is this was sort of, and, and that's really good numbers. I've got the, the tweet up now looking at it. And uh, that's probably the trajectory that, that he's going to follow, particularly if, he, if he's playing under Bud. So um, I, I think that the... The uh, the the quote there that we got from the from the story from Eric is is probably just confirming what uh, most people probably should have known. I, I tweeted about it this morning, but I remember being at summer league last year and uh, the the whole Bucks team rolled in, and it was it was only me and Matt Velasquez there from that were covering the Bucks, and uh, the the whole Bucks team rolled in. Giannis was there, Thon was there, uh, Middleton, the whole bunch of guys. John Henson was there, and. And I went to speak to someone and Matt went to speak to John Henson and, and Matt came back and he was like, oh man, this is going to be fun under Bud this year. And I'm like, wow, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, Henson just told me he's working on his threes and he's got the green light to shoot threes. And we were, we were just laughing about that. We were just like, this is a whole new uh, Bucks uh, system and team we're going to be looking at. And uh, uh, it's going to follow on again for, for all these guys. And that's fun to see. Yeah, it is. And I think, uh, I think the Cavs are hoping Henson can stroke a couple more threes over there and get his trade value going uh, this next season. But one last thing on, on Robin Lopez. I don't want to dwell on it too long. Actually, it's like too many last things. One, in the Q&A with, with uh, Eric Name, uh, John Horace says he's excited to have that true backup center the team really didn't have. I mean, Ersan, DJ Wilson, Giannis, not really true backup fives. I mean, they'll play at the five, but it's not – an actual like solid five. He says he's excited. I think the word he used was another monster to have down there. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I'm super excited to have real depth at the center position now. But the other thing, and more of a, I haven't dwelled on or thought about as much is, you know, I think the really exciting thing when it comes to Robin Lopez and expecting to shoot threes is you got to think he is psyched about this because he came specifically to Milwaukee after watching what his brother did last year and how much he raised, you know, his stock around the league. I mean, Brooke Lopez got paid more than a lot of other big men this year. And it's not hard to figure out that the shooting is really a huge part of that. So you got to imagine Robin Lopez watching this while he's, you know, in this ancient low post offense in Chicago must've been looking what's going on up I 41 in Milwaukee and saying, Hey, this looks uh, fun. And this looks like it'll be good for my career. I get to go play with my brother, which they always joke about hating each other. Clearly, that's not exactly the case. But uh, I just think it's encouraging that, you know, this is something Robin Lopez is 100% signing up for. you got to think he's enthused to be able to, you know, keep doing his work on the defensive end. That's going to help the team as well, but also to let loose from three-point range. Yeah, no question. Uh, Absolutely no question. And, and uh, you know, when Horst talks about being excited about having the backup, this again, the first thing I thought of when the Bucks signed Robin Lopez, and there were some questions. Well, how's Lopez going to fit? As we've spoke about, obviously the three-point shooting. If he does that, there's no question uh, of the fit anymore. Uh, but I couldn't help think that the Bucks very clearly understood what was happening in the East. And for one, as it stands, there is one real challenger to the Bucks in the East, and they just got a hell of a lot bigger. And I, uh, I have no question that this is. Uh, with that in mind, because uh, unlike last year where there was some unknowns about what was going to happen, we all thought the Bucks were going to be good. This year, the Bucks go in, and yeah, they have to get through the, the regular season and they have to uh, get to the you know put themselves in a position to be a home court team and all the rest. But 
there's no question that they they've got uh, goals of, of being in the finals this year, and and anything less than that again is a failure. So they're looking at the Sixers. Uh, you have the Lopez brothers, and and we'll see what what else they they do through the season. But it, it's just a sign-in that makes a lot of sense. And and again, just the the last one on on Thanasis when we're talking about his three-point shooting uh, in, in his three seasons uh, playing overseas in the in the Euro League. Uh, played uh, 73 games, uh, only got up 1.53s per game at 23%. But again, without watching those games, we don't know uh, how those three points, uh, three point shots were were coming, or, or how he was playing. So that's going to be uh, something to look forward to into the preseason as well. But uh, this morning, and I don't know a lot about this guy either. Cam Reynolds uh, signed a two way uh, with the Bucks. He's a guy that can shoot the ball, a lefty. Uh, can put the ball down a little bit. I didn't see much of him. He was play, played some of the uh, late season stuff with with the Timberwolves, but uh, again, a guy that can shoot. And and obviously, with how much time you've spent around uh, the herd, or how much time you do spend around the herd, uh, seems like another uh, reasonable reasonable signing. Seems like a guy who might tear it up on the herd. Honestly, uh, I <laughs> only vaguely know who Cam Reynolds is. I remember covering. I think I did a post about it. Uh, Earlier, the Wolves released him a while ago just because he was signed on one of those phony two-year deals where the team reports it as a two-year deal, but really it's like yeah. the rest of the season and then completely non-guaranteed. Those guys, unfortunately, very rarely make it to that next season, as was the case with Cam Reynolds here. But uh, picked up last year for some depth for the Timberwolves. They needed some roster flexibility, so they had to let him go. But in 19 games with Minnesota, no starts, played just uh, about 13 and a half minutes per game. Shot 41.2% from three-point territory on 2.7 threes per game. Taking more threes than twos. And listed as a shooting guard, but also listed as 6'8". So you're talking about a six foot eight guard, basically, perimeter player who just chucks a bunch of threes. I mean, this, to me, to borrow a Canism for mine, makes far more sense than any of the two ways the Bucks have utilized in the past. Well, I, I shouldn't say Xavier Munford's very good, uh, good player for sure. But like two ways, in my opinion, I mean, if you're a very good team, these should be the guys that, you know, you want to develop. Of course, you want them to get better and then eventually sign them and bring them onto your team to be, you know, contributors at the full NBA level. But I feel like teams like the Clippers, you know, uh, the year before last really showcased an example of how. They can be your fill-in NBA guys if you really need a player for you know a road trip or something. A couple of guys are banged up. You don't want to sign anyone. Maybe you don't even have a roster spot. You can just call this guy up and just have him play some spot minutes. And this Cam Reynolds seems a perfect fit to just soak up some wing minutes if absolutely necessary for the Bucks. Like I said, you know, good size, real solid shooter. 24 years old, so he's not exactly you know a fledgling prospect in terms of development. Not a lot of NBA run, but still, I mean, he's grown a bit as a player already as opposed to the two ways last year. And Bonzi Colson, I think, still technically listed on the roster. Maybe he is the other one. But Trayvon Duvall always felt like more of a swing for the fences prospect. Uh, you know, one and done out of Duke, doesn't get drafted. It, it was a worthwhile shot, but just not the kind of yeah, guy. I, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was I was very, uh, you know, intrigued by that one. And I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Sometimes maybe it's good to take a guy that, that is a little bit more developed and then ready to go uh, in, in case, you know, of emergency. Um, I also think that there's room for, w- with the two-way guys in particular, because they're not just stuck down in the G League. They get some good experience with the NBA team. And I, I would think, 
I would be surprised, and, and uh, of course I could be wrong, but I would be surprised if Fonzie Colson isn't with the Bucks in some capacity this season just because when you think about how they went through all these guys uh, in, in the two ways and they, they shuffled them through uh, through the season and even the year before as well, uh, Fonzie was sort of, once he signed, uh, he was with the team. He traveled with the team right through the playoffs. Uh, when we were in the, in the, in the gym at practice, uh, he was working for just hours like after the after the bucks would practice getting up shots obviously with the team in summer league uh he's got a he's got a lot out of his time uh, with the bucks there's no question about that I, I feel like he'll probably be around he seems like a guy that they're i'm not sure whether they have you know high hopes that he's going to become a, a you know a really solid nba rotation player but i think that there's definitely um th- they like him that's how that's how i would i would feel about that um so whether that's a two-way and we're going to get to the rest of the roster. Obviously, they've got two more spots. But that would, just to cut you off, uh, I, I think I think Bonzi, and I like Bonzi. You know, just, I think he's a nice guy, so I'm biased. But I think that uh, he might be. Bonzi's right. a great guy, and I think uh, I think that has a solid amount to do. I just think he's a, a great character fit for the team. Obviously, the no assholes rule. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, not, well, I'm not trying to say that it's bad to have a developmental player in a two-way slot. I thought the... The Trey Duval signing was a really good one, a really intriguing gamble for the Bucks, and I guess for the Herd as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just I, I always felt like, especially for a team this good, at least to have a 1-1 mix on the two ways is smart. You know, have one guy you feel like you could play in a pinch without worrying too much, and then maybe the other guy where you go, well, let's really see what we have in this guy and just let him play a bunch with, uh, with the Herd. But, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about Bonzi. It, it, he's been such a staple everywhere, which feels – a little like unusual for a two-way guy. I mean, I'm I'm glad for him. It's too bad. It's impossible for those guys to play playoff minutes at this point. I'm really hoping that rule gets changed. I mean, I had a conversation with a G League executive last year, so the first season the herd existed, and kind of brought that up. Like, hey, why can't these guys play? Like, in case of emergency, I mean, it's not really a competitive advantage to have an extra guy on a two-way, yeah. is it? I mean, they have to be four years less experienced. They're not going to be top-tier players because they don't get paid that much compared to NBA minimums. Like, who's going to rely on these two-way guys, you know, outside of an extreme example? And the executive basically was like, yeah, I don't really get, we don't really get it either. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why not give these guys a chance to play if they need to? So hopefully that rule gets changed at some point. But, yeah, it's uh, I, I would bet as well Bonzi sticks around. But, you know, hey, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Yeah, no question. And uh, I did just touch that the that the Bucks have a couple of roster spots. So uh, with the Thanasis signing, that takes them to 13 guys right now. Obviously, Cam Reynolds looks like he's taking uh, one of the two ways. Bonzi is sort of floating out there. Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, if I had to guess, he would probably, uh, you know, be in line to take that, that other two way if I, if I had to, you know, think what he probably... Uh, will get particularly if if he's a guy that they want to play then you know being the two-way obviously he can spend the you know, bulk time with with the herd and, and come back up when he needs but there was a guy doing a tour of uh, milwaukee today i saw yeah yeah getting you... shown around a little bit did, did i mention yeah. him earlier or is it a different guy no, I don't think we've mentioned have we mentioned jr smith i don't think i, th- we've brought I, thought, him up. I, I thought i threw it out there at one point Oh, you might have. Well, he, he you know, a, a very astute Bucks fan. I uh, saw him at Mitchell Airport this morning and put the photo out. And uh, very soon after, Shams uh, came through with the with the word that he was doing a tour of Milwaukee. I think someone else saw him uh, getting some cops. So 
you know, I mean, that's that's good for him. I mean, if he's going to be in Milwaukee, he needs to, to try all the, the local uh, specialties. So he was in the cops. So I think it, it's somewhere in between eating burgers and, and checking out the bronze funds and whatever else he was doing today, I, I think he probably caught up with, with John Horst, I would have to imagine. So J.R. Smith clearly uh, in the sights of the Bucks potentially for one of those spots. Yeah, and it feels to me if, if he's going to come all the way out to Milwaukee, I, I don't – it's hard for me to imagine that much to ha- would happen to change either his or the Bucks' mind between deciding to come out and, and talk to each other and actually doing it. I mean, obviously there's going to be no wiggle room on salary. I mean, that's going to be pretty much decided there. It's the vet minimum. Uh, role, I mean, I guess you could discuss role more. I mean, he's – Pretty fair to say at least going to be able to compete for a starting spot, which, again, is sort of the silver lining for having a position so up in the air. It's like, hey, it's you and Wes Matthews, and, and that's the two-guard spot right now with a little bit of George Hill sprinkled in there. Uh, so, yeah, JR, you actually get to play here, which you know not a lot of contending teams can say. And I just not you know that many roster spots left around the league at this point. So it feels like if both sides think it's a moderately good fit, I, don't, I just don't really know why this wouldn't get done. Yeah, this is something we've sort of spoke about, um, you know, playing under Bud and, and playing next to Giannis and in the system. It just has to be so attractive for these shooters uh, to, to come here and know that they can jack up threes, particularly for a guy like JR that we know is not shy. Uh, over his career, he's got over five uh, threes per game at 37%. The interesting thing with JR Smith is obviously only played 11 games last year, so uh, he is he is still currently, I, I believe he's still 33. Yeah, 33. He's, he's very close to turning 34. He's going to be 34 at the start of the season and really basically not played for a whole year. So it's interesting to see whether that is a positive thing or a negative thing. Uh, I certainly don't really see any way that J.R. Smith would start. But uh, if you talk about wanting, as we, we spoke about a lot, that, that uh, hot scorer or microwave scorer, whatever you want to call him, off the bench, a guy that can get you uh, 10, 12, uh, 14 points in a real hurry. J.R. Smith is definitely still that guy. Uh, last year, obviously not in a good situation in Cleveland. His shooting was down to 30%, but uh, even the year, bef- the year before that, age 32, played 80 games. Uh, he's largely been a guy that's been pretty healthy. He's played um, you know, a lot of games into, into you know, his 30s uh, and played big minutes. Uh, even last year, he was playing over 20 minutes, uh, and just a couple of years before that, he was playing uh, over over 28 and then 29, 30 minutes per game. So he's always a guy that seemed like he's in good shape uh, when he wants to. He can certainly defend. Again, these these skills are probably going to be a little bit diminished now, but uh, I think you know, fit wise, when you when you when you talk about uh, his size being six six, uh, being able to defend a little bit. And having a quick trigger from three, and a guy that the defense has to simply has to respect, uh, the fits there. Yeah, and uh, talk about I mean three years and change ago, starting on a championship team. I mean that sure doesn't hurt a guy's case when you're thinking about signing him. And you know, just a kind of a thing that a little bit wowed me when I heard it, but although it doesn't make sense, J.R. Smith currently 13th on the NBA's all-time three-pointers made list. Uh, probably will climb it too yeah. if he you know catches on with the Bucks or a different team and sticks around i mean he's about less than 60 away from passing joe johnson and dirk to get up to all the way to 11th uh actually he'd pass jason 63s gets jr smith to the top 10 all time although he does have clay thompson coming out on his heels here who's i'm sure gonna end up in the top 
handful, but still just interesting to note, you know, certainly a guy who at least in the past has made a whole, whole lot of three pointers. Um, you know, that that's one announcement I had to make that JR is 13th on the all time three pointers made list. I'm, I'm in favor of signing JR, by the way. I just think, I, I don't think the character concerns are really a thing anymore. It feels like he's kind of over most of that stuff. I mean, I guess really wasn't with the Cavs last year. I don't know how mutual that was or not. I've heard a lot of people say they felt like he was a professional, though. So those are just some announcements I wanted to make. And then one more announcement to make is that Blue Wire has teamed up with Harry's. This is an announcement I love making because obviously Harry's just brings the good stuff. You know, they make sure that our listeners shave comfortably. So you can go to harrys.com slash bluewire, save $10 on a value trial set. And that includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that, all of it, for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors, folks. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were sick and tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Who isn't? Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany, and they've been making quality blades for more than 95 years. That's almost 100 years. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Every blade comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. You'll get a full refund. If you want this $3 value trial set, the value is real. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. And that's my last announcement of the podcast, I think. Maybe. We'll see. Well, the last uh, ad-related announcement, you might have. Yeah, that for sure. Some basketball-related stuff. But I, I... yeah, you know, particularly with the character stuff, and I see some uh, Bucks fans saying, keep him away from the locker room. You don't want him in there. I just don't think that I've seen anything too crazy. I mean, he is a little bit, you know, he's a little bit out there. He's a strange cat, but uh, this Bucks team is so tight knit that I don't really see a guy like J.R. Smith walking in and, and, and causing a problem in a locker room that. Uh, is as close as it is. I don't really have any concerns about that. I think it would be a whole bunch of fun to see uh, J.R. Smith playing on the Bucks. It's interesting, though, another guy that we know uh, the Bucks are interested in. It was certainly reported that Woj said that uh, he was a guy that the Bucks are, are in the mix for, and that's Kyle Korver, and uh, he has not signed with the team yet. Uh, it seemed to me and you were texting uh, when I was still over uh, in Milwaukee and, and we, were, we were talking, oh, maybe there'll be some Corbin news today. It certainly seemed like it was heading in that direction. Uh, we haven't heard anything else, but today there was a tweet uh, from Andy Gill, uh, Coach Andy Gill. Uh, he was out there, lives in Santa Barbara. He was at UCSB today uh, with Giannis, uh, doing a, going through some workouts and... Kyle Corver was also there. Ooh. So I... I didn't know this. That's interesting. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, that tweet came out only a few hours ago, but uh, yeah, Giannis and Corver. There was certainly no mention of any other NBA players, so uh, judging by that, uh, I'm guessing uh, Giannis and Corver were working out together today. What a ludicrous sweep of the, the you know available at minimum free agents that would be if Milwaukee signed. JR, Kyle Corver, Wesley Matthews, uh, like all of those guys, like that just feels like a ridiculous haul. I mean, that's 
you know, there's a lot of teams that would want the services of those players. I mean, proven shooters, wing players who are available at low rates after being bought out or cut or just being free agents, whatever. I mean, that's – if they got both of those guys, even one of them I'd, I feel like I'd be pretty happy. If they get both of them, that's just – you you know where the players want to play, I guess. Yeah, no question. I mean, th- this was probably the big thing that, that – that... Probably concerned Bucks fans. You lose Brogdon, obviously. You lose Miritich as well, who, you know, I mean, didn't shoot the ball well in Milwaukee, but is is obviously a threat. Uh, you lose those two, and then the questions are, well, okay, uh, I, I still think we're in a good position. We've we've brought everyone else back. We've got some really good shooters, obviously Middleton, uh, Lopez, and some guys off the bench. You know, Sterling Brown, DJ Wilson, they can shoot the three, uh, but we probably need some more. Uh, is what I'm hearing, you know, Bucks fans say. Uh, as you touched on, they very quickly get Wes Matthews, and now they appear to be in the mix for both Corver and, and J.R. Smith as well, which would be, uh, as you said, quite the haul for for the minimum uh, market. Kyle Corver is obviously uh, a little bit older than than J.R. Smith. He's going to turn 39 next season, so uh, he's been around for a long, long, long time, but. Uh, this guy last year uh, to start the season played 16 games with Cleveland uh, was shooting 47% from three in those 16 games and then gets traded uh, to Utah and still shoots 39% on over five three-point attempts in just 20 minutes per game this guy just shoots flat out and uh, and yes he, he, he doesn't bring a lot defensively particularly uh, at, at age 39 but when you think about uh, J.R. Smith obviously having the quick trigger, a guy that will shoot off the dribble, create his own shot. Kyle Korver is the one that really excites me when you think about him running around the perimeter, uh, running around screens. I know this was a while ago now, but you only have to go back sort of five years ago, and I remember year after year when Korver was playing for Bud, the Bucks would be in the game against the Hawks. They were very good Hawks teams, and then it was a minute and a half every single time where Korver would just drill four threes on the exact same play curling around the top of the perimeter, uh, dropping three after three, and then the Bucks would be down double digits and the game was over. I mean, I still have nightmares about those Kyle Corver games. So uh, for him, <laughs> I don't care if he's 39. This is still a guy that's going to shoot, at worst, high 30s from three. And and like I said, even if he's only playing 15 minutes, he's going to get up five threes in those 15, and that's going to be uh, pretty damn fun to watch. Shout out to Kyle Korver and his bonkers off-season workout routines because that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you still have an NBA career at age 38, soon to be 39, with multiple teams interested in signing you. I mean, I've I've read stories before. He's like carrying boulders, running underwater, doing all sorts of wild stuff. But you know it works. Whatever he does, man, it has him ready to run around those screens and hit those threes. And uh, I think, you know, with the three players especially that we've, we've been talking about, and J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, and already signed Wes Matthews, the thing I like about all three of them is they're not just established three-point shooters. You use the word to describe J.R., I think. They're pretty quick triggers. Yeah. You know, these are not guys who – and I, I don't want to just load up on Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a good player. I hope he does well in Indiana. But just not a very quick pull, not a very, you know, rapid-fire shooter – Whereas these other three guys who you know certainly can't drive the way Brogdon do, does, they probably won't shoot as efficiently from three-point range as he did or, or from all over. I mean, 50, 40, 90 season. But all guys who you know are ready to pull up and fire at really a moment's notice. And I think that kind of quick motion is going to help out 
pretty much everyone offensively for the Bucks. I mean, just makes it so much harder to edge away from them to help out on Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. Uh, obviously, those guys, it's nice to get those open shots right away when they get the ball. I mean, thinking about adding spacing to the Bucks' offense seems almost like ridiculous. Like, is that even a possibility? But the spacing might actually get a touch better if they add, you know, another guy like J.R. Corver to this team. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something I've always said through this season. It's not just about having shooters or guys that are capable of hitting threes. I mean, it, it certainly helps when you and you think about guys like DJ Wilson. But DJ Wilson is not someone, and this was one of the things we said. And obviously, if you were playing Miritich ahead of DJ, then you lose out in other areas. Defense, obviously, number one. But uh, the respect when you t- when you look at the offense. Miritich is a guy that teams are terrified to leave out in the perimeter. And Kyle Korver is certainly in that uh, category. Uh, J.R. Smith certainly has been uh, over his career. And Wes Matthews is a guy that has that respect as well. And and sometimes that's just as important as anything. If they have the respect, even if they don't get the ball, uh, their opponent is not going to leave them. And you put those guys around Giannis, as we've seen, uh, that is a pretty serious uh, weapon that you have going. And, uh, you know, uh, I think in general, Giannis working out with Korva, I'm sure those guys were getting up threes today. And when you talk about uh, the the shooting form of Kyle Korva as well, I mean, I, I just think in general, regardless of whether Korva comes here, for Giannis to be shooting with, with one of the uh, better three-point shooters of all time, uh, it's a positive thing. I know Korva has uh, honestly sort of become, what had sort of become the young Cavaliers de facto shooting coach. I know uh, Jetty Osmond, who... Cavalier fans love uh, our friends at the Chase Down Discord, or to the, just the Chase Down. They have a Discord channel, but the our our friends at the Chase Down, the Cleveland Cavaliers Blue Wire Podcast, uh, Justin and Carter. I know they definitely stand Jetty, and they'll both will tell you, and a lot of Cavs fans will. Corver kind of helped him rework his shot and become a much better three point shooter, and. You know, obviously Giannis not uh, a project player like Chetty is anymore, but still, I mean, it's it wouldn't be unheard of for Kyle Korver to take a teammate aside and say, "Hey, you want some tips on how to knock these things down a little bit better?" And I mean, God, it's it won't happen. But just imagining for a second Giannis shooting like Kyle Korver is just excessive. I think I tell you, if Giannis ever, I I don't even know what I'll do if I ever see Giannis curl around a screen and bury a three. I I'm not really sure you know, how I would actually handle uh, seeing that. Just take all the money out of your bank account and put it into whatever the Bucks NBA championship yeah. odds are because that player is not stoppable. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. And this is, you know, as I said, we, we thought maybe potentially we were going to have some news uh, about this by the time we got to record. Obviously, we haven't yet. But the longer this goes, generally, I mean, we're heading towards August now. So we aren't really that far away. Uh, from from training camp, which is ridiculous to think, but another sort of six, seven weeks until the Bucks are going to get together at the start of uh, September and, and really start to ramp up their preparations for the season. But as I said, just a couple more pieces to fall into place uh, for the Bucks. Uh, it's funny, every time I, I had a couple of other things I was going to get to, and it's funny, every time me and you say, well, look, it's been kind of quiet. I'm not sure we have that much to talk about. And then 45 minutes later, we're still, uh, we're still going. But... Uh, we should. I mean, it's going to be a long summer. We should save some things for next time. You got anything else pressing uh, you want to get to right now? I don't know if I have anything else pressing. You know, uh, still on my end here, 
waiting to see who's going to be the Wisconsin herd head coach. Yeah. That's going to be fun to find out for me uh, next season coverage. But no, uh, I think time flies when you're having fun. I mean, it feels like we just sat down to start this. We're 42 minutes and change in, but I think that's a good thing. We have uh, plenty more words to say, and we'll make sure to unleash them on uh, on everyone who wants to uh, listen. Yeah, I had it, and I, I, I said at the start of the pod, but you know, we're going to try and uh, be a bit more regular with this now. And and uh, you know, obviously, I was trying to get back here, but we had a number of people ask whether we we're going to keep recording, but it doesn't matter. That I'm in Australia, we're going to continue to do this right through the off season uh, before getting into uh, obviously next season. And in just a few weeks' time, there's going to be a, a Team USA games in Melbourne. Uh, they're playing Australia. I'm going to be at those games. I'm going to be covering those games. Uh, uh, the expectation is that Chris Middleton is going to be there, so I will have all uh, the news from that and potentially Brook Lopez as well if he gets into the uh, into the squad. So there's there's going to be still stuff happening through the next few weeks. Absolutely. We'll be here to uh, talk about it. Uh, you know, Kane, thank you for taking the time and uh, doing this podcast uh, really through time, kind of a time machine podcast. I mean, it's 15 hours later there, 14 to 15, I think 15 hours later there than it is here. So a little slight time travel involved, but uh, that's cool. Uh, and of course, everyone, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate it. If you haven't already, subscribe rate review tell a friend all those fun things you know your support really means a lot to us and and really reminds us why we enjoy doing this uh this podcast so much i think absolutely absolutely it's uh i always that's what i was i was hassling you when i was on the plane i'm like we need to we need to try and get something happen when i get down because it is fun and we've had we've had great support fortunately and uh, I think, you know, starting halfway through the season last year, he's only got us more excited for uh, what hopefully we're going to be able to do moving forward. But, uh, Ty, it's probably time for you to go to bed. It's uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon here now on Friday. Uh, so uh, I'm in a little bit of a different position. I am still pretty tired. I haven't been sleeping that well. But you uh, need to get some rest. You're in the, you've got a heavy workload going on right now. Will do, buddy. Thank you for uh, taking the time and uh, have fun with your quote-unquote taking it easy today. (laughs)